Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show across the nation. The phone number is 877-973-7425 if you want to be on the program. Uh, I, I want to talk about retaliation, retribution, all that. You know, a number of reporters have gone after uh, donors to the truckers uh, rally, uh, tried to drag them, do stories, expose them, cost them their jobs. How do you respond to that? Do you retaliate against the reporters? What do you do? Before I get to any of that, though, I want to take Steve's phone call. Uh, Steve, welcome to the program. How are you? Good. How you doing, Eric? Good. What's going on? Thank you for taking my call. I just wanted to mention a couple of things. I really appreciate you and your show. Uh, one thing I really, really like is that, um, if you will, there's, you know, we have new groups of, of people now, uh, generations and generations uh, that are are growing and, and uh, learning. And you do a great job of breaking down how things, how it works, how it works in war situations, how it works in voting, campaigning, and uh, things that we need to know that we don't. Uh, you know, a lot of us just don't know how those things really work in real everyday life. And it's a great thing that what you're doing there, and I appreciate that. And well, just had you. one quick question sure. that, um, that I wanted to ask you. My my brother-in-law. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but he 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 thinks that there's a power group in America that basically, basically, and you probably heard this before, basically kind of, kind of controls everything. Uh, they meet secretly. Uh, I'm not, you know, I mean, I've heard one term, you know, called it the Illuminati <laughs> yeah. and you, uh, I, I kind of want, I want your thoughts on it. Uh, you can put it to rest for me or, uh, like I say, I don't believe in conspiracies that much, but yeah. it is, it is, one of those interesting things. Yeah, you know, for I mean, this isn't an American phenomenon. This actual this idea that there was some an Illuminati, a, a the Bilderbergers, a group of people who meet together and they plot out world history and world wars. This idea actually goes back to very ancient times. Uh, and there's there's always been this belief, and there are lots of movies that are based on the idea. Uh, that this happens, uh, and it, it's obviously not true, but it's the way a lot of people mythologically to some degree explain the, to themselves the way the world works. I mean, you do have groups of rich people who get together like in Davos, the World Economic Forum, and things like that, where they plot out the way the world works, but, I mean, there are populist uprisings that prevent them. I mean, did they want Donald Trump to get elected? I mean, if if they are successful then Donald Trump was a part of their plan, and they all hated him. George W. Bush. They all hated George W. Bush. I mean, the moment Barack Obama came in, uh, people gave him the Nobel Peace Prize, and he did nothing other than uh, replace George W. Bush. So it's it's easy for people, and they concoct all sorts of theories about it and the like. Um, and uh, one of my favorite theories is that we're still actually part of the British because of some language in the Declaration of Independence or some such. I mean, people will believe anything. There's always someone who believes something and cannot be dissuaded from it. Now, I, I want to talk about something. And this one is a hard one to talk about because even I struggle with the idea. And 
where should we go forward with it? And that is, what do we do when people on the left decide to dox you for your donations? Now, what is doxing? Doxing is revealing your public information, and then oftentimes the media comes and hounds you in Utah, a reporter who has been seen on social media wearing uh, CCCP shirts, that is uh, Soviet Union shirts, is upset that people got mad at him for trying to do reports on the people in Utah who gave money to the truckers in Canada. Someone hacked the donor database of people who had given money to the truckers. Reporters then publicized the information, and people have lost their jobs. And I believe, and I I need you to hear me, I'm not advocating it, I think it's going to happen, that people are going to start doxing the reporters as deterrents. And I do have to say I'm sympathetic to people doing that. But also, you know, the Bible says... Turn the other cheek. So how does this all play out? And I just, I want to talk to you guys a minute about it. Just, just give me, give me a minute to talk about this one. We are, if you're a person of faith in particular, you're not supposed to retaliate. Now, there are people I know online and on radio uh, who have blasted Christianity for making conservatives weak. They believe that... If you're, if you really believe in turning the other cheek, you're a, a well word that begins with a P, that describes a female reproductive organ. I'm not making that up. There are people who say it. That you you gotta you gotta fight back. You gotta do to the left what they do to you. Now the scripture is very clear that our ways are not their ways. God's ways aren't our ways, and a Christian's ways aren't supposed to be the world's ways. Vengeance is mine; I will repay, says God. Romans 12, 19 says, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. And there are a lot of people I know out there who are like, I don't know, can I twist the scripture in such a way to allow me to behave? And I don't want to do that. And I don't think you should do that. Now, how does all of this work? Um, You're to forgive. You're not to retaliate. And a lot of this is personal and personal relationships, and you need to keep that in mind. Personal and personal relationships. So, for example, uh, if you read uh, the Sermon on the Mount, for example, Uh, What Jesus does in the Sermon on the Mount is to contrast Christian behavior with society's behavior. In Roman society, you need to understand, in Roman society, it was a performative culture, much like we have now, where everyone sued everyone and you were judged based on your talents of argument in court. It became a Roman society thing. You filed suit at the drop of a hat. If someone insulted you, you filed suit. When Jesus is saying, turn the other cheek, what he's actually saying is don't sue. He's making a litigation argument. You don't drag people into court when they insult you. You turn the other cheek. You show forgiveness. And you keep showing forgiveness. 
There are some people who want to nuance and say, well, when the guy keeps kicking you when you're down, metaphorically, keeps suing you, keeps bullying you, you've had enough, uh, you turn the other cheek, you finally throw the punch to stop him. Actually, the Bible says vengeance is mine, says Lord. It's a very hard concept for us to understand. And it sounds like surrender to a lot of people. And there are a lot of people out there, even Christians these days, who say, well, you know, I mean, I'm a Christian, but I'm also an American, and I can behave like other Americans. Actually, you know, what Jesus was saying, what Paul says, what the, all the apostles say, all the writers of the New Testament says, it's actually, no, uh, you're defined by your Christianity above your, your national origin. So you can't behave like the other people in your society. You have to, you're not just, you don't go to church on Sunday, and then you're an American the rest of the week. There is self-defense, though. Jesus was not saying don't have self-defense. When the burglar breaks into your house, you don't turn the other cheek. You shoot him before he shoots you. There is room for self-defense. And nations are tools of God's judgment and vengeance. Now, what happens when the nation fails you? Well, I got a couple of thoughts here, uh, that, and, I, 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 and I'm forcing myself because, you know, I will tell you, my inclination and my my personal view is I think that if reporters start getting doxxed and when they're going after conservative activists for giving money to causes, they'll cut it out. They will. You start exposing where reporters live and all that, they'll, they'll, they'll cut it out. They'll think twice about doing it. It's, it's the reason that reporters tread lightly on criticizing Muslims. You're not seeing a lot of cartoons of Muhammad after the Charlie Hebdo massacre, are you? You're not. There's a reason the, the activists show up at the Christian baker and demand he bake the cake and not at the Muslim baker because they know what will happen. But then I think the things of the world behave like the things of the world, and I'm not supposed to behave like the world. And so my gut reaction is that, yeah, we should retaliate. And then I think that's sinful that's not what we're supposed to do. What are we supposed to do? I, by the way, I want to say, and I want to say clearly, I, I, I have come to the conclusion that I can't advocate for that level of retaliation. I, I, I think it's going to happen. I mean, I, I see people. I believe it was uh, my friend Jesse Kelly, uh, who's got a radio show, who actually is the one who was criticizing Christianity for making conservatism weak. Someone told me he said I hadn't seen him say that, but I've had several people tell me he's he said that. Uh, I think there will be people like that who do engage in that level of retaliation, and I gotta say I, I'm convinced in not just reading the scripture, but also the commentaries. You can't do that. Uh, the, this personal affront, this this personal conviction, you you can't engage like that. You can pray, you can rely on God, and you can be assured others will do it who don't share your similar convictions, and maybe God is using them as as the tool. It's a difficult question though, because you you want to you want to push back, you want to seek revenge, but I think what you got to do is is when you you gotta you have to forgive first. You have to love your neighbor, however hard it is. You can pray. I mean, the Psalms are are filled with prayers asking God to take care of other people and, and uh, punish their... You can certainly pray, I think. 
But I think there's also something else. There's a heart attitude involved. If you're going after reporters for vengeance, if you're going after progressive activists for doxing people as vengeance, uh, your heart motive is vengeance and vengeance is for the Lord. But if you're engaged in trying to defend your family and your friends and others by protecting them, you're hiring the people who lose their jobs, you're helping fund the existence of those who were cost their livelihood because they dared to give to a cause, then your heart's in the right place. If you are going out of your way to retaliate, to seek vengeance, your heart's in the wrong place. You're not supposed to retaliate. You say, well, why can't I? I, I mean, that's what everybody else why can't Because you're not like everybody else. Are you? This matters for eternity. Pray. If you want to pray for vengeance from the Lord, pray for vengeance from the Lord. He says, vengeance is mine. Cast your worries on me. So pray. Let him take care of it. Forgive. It's hard. Forgive. But I got to come to the conclusion. I think it's going to start happening. I think there will be retaliation. I, I really do. And I think reporters should be careful because there will be retaliation. But I also think as for me and mine and, and what Scripture says, I'm not the one who's going to do it. And I shouldn't condone it. What I should do is those who lose their jobs, I should be offering up to help them. Those who are harassed, I should be offering to help them. Those who are wounded, I should be offering to try to help heal them. It makes it difficult in a world where the worldly response and what you really want to do is you want to get revenge. They dox somebody, you're going to go after them and let the mob go after them. Your side's mob. You can't do that. The tit for tat is of the world and are you of the world? And it's hard. And if you're trying to twist the scripture to arrive at that conclusion, I can tell you, I've tried. I have tried. I've spent my time reading all the commentaries trying to get there and, and I can't arrive at that conclusion. What I arrive at is you've got to think differently from what everybody else is doing. And occasionally you arrive at a solution that's actually better than what everybody else is doing. And part of that is I think that those people who are harassed by the mob because they gave money to the truckers uh, help those people who have been harassed in ways that elevate them and heap burning coals on those who harass them and make them realize that those who they've harassed are going to wind up in a better position. I sleep well at night under bowl and branch sheets. And I need to tell you, my family, we were customers before I started endorsing them. It's what I like to do. I like to be familiar with the product and like it. And I love the Bull & Branch sheets. One of the reasons I love them is because they are super soft sheets. <laughs> got to say that word right. But they've got a little weight to them. So, so you feel somewhat more snuggled. Like I've got some uh, sheets I, that came with the new mattress and they're so light it's like there's nothing on top of you, and I can't sleep well with them because they're – I mean, it's just – and then they bunch up the, – the man, the satiny soft feel of the Bull & Branch sheets, it makes a real big difference. Listen, you've got so many options out there right now. You can go to a department store. You have so many options, but there's no reason to because with Bull & Branch, you get high-quality 
sheets. They've got a great thread count. They're perfect. They've got plenty of color options. You sleep well under them because they're soft and they're durable and they've got a little bit of weight, the perfect amount of weight for a sheet. Now, I want you to go out there and order Boland Branch sheets because they are comfortable. You got, I mean, they're environmentally friendly. They're built around sustainability, and you got quality that lasts. You know, a lot of the companies that advertise all the environmentally friendly stuff, their sheets don't last. I can tell you, my bowl and branch sheets have lasted a long time, and they get softer over time. Experience the best sheets you've ever felt at bowlandbranch.com. Get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at checkout. That's bowlandbranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. The promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be a part of this here program? Well, Democrats are pressing for change at the White House. I want to actually spend a little bit of time with the story. Uh, Jonathan Allen and Natasha Karecki are focused on the story. And obviously, there's a lot of complaints about Ron Klain. One of the things you need to know, though, before we get there, is Joe Manchin has had some lunches and meetings with Ron Klain, the White House chief of staff. And Build Back Better appears to be dead, and progressives are furious. And and I just I I want to I want you to think about this. This is the box the Democrats have, the corner the Democrats have painted themselves in. I guess is a better way to say it. They believe that masks are good and virtuous, but the public has overwhelmingly turned on them in swing states and swing districts, so they have to abandon it. They believe that Build Back Better is a good thing, and they've had to abandon it. And it just makes me wonder, because there's a sentiment that all voters have that, you know what, Screw these guys. They haven't given me anything I've wanted. I'm going to teach them a lesson by not showing up to vote for them, and they'll remember me next time. And there are a lot of Democrats who would think, you know, I mean, he can do a lot in the executive branch without Congress. Let's just let the Republicans have Congress and teach them a lesson, and we still got the executive branch. And I wonder at what point this happens. I wonder at what point the Democrats just say we're not going to show up. I mean, I suspect what we're going to see to some degree is we're not going to see black voters in this country who have been so tied to the Democratic Party for so long. I don't think we're going to see them immediately flip and say, all right, now we're going to go for the Republicans. I don't think we're going to see that. I think we'll see them say, well, we're just going to stay home. We're not going to go vote. And that'll hand it to the Republicans. And there's another problem for the Democrats I've been mentioning, and it's worth mentioning again, that, you know, they redistricted in Democrat-controlled states, and they did pretty pretty aggressive gerrymandering, more aggressive gerrymandering than Republicans have done in Florida, in, in Georgia, in Texas. And a lot of those redistricting to get Democratic districts, they had to make them very narrowly Democrat. And those districts could become Republican if the, if the winds are that strong for the GOP. 
I mean, Democrats are starting to openly talk about R plus 14 generic ballots. That's not setting expectations well for the Democrats if they believe that's going to happen. Now, maybe they're overinflating the Republicans so they can say, well, it could have been a whole lot worse. We only lost 30 seats instead of 60. I guess that could be it. But, I mean, right now it's looking like the Republicans really could have a 30-seat wave in the House and pick up three or four Senate seats. Yes. But, of course, it also comes down to Republican candidates as well. Uh, will the Democrats destroy Herschel Walker in Georgia? Huh. What will happen in, with Donald Trump supported Doug Ducey in Arizona? I mean, those sorts of things matter as well. When we come back, I'll take your phone calls as well, 877-973-7425. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Let's go to the phones. Um, is it Hilmer? Is that your name? Yes, sir. Welcome to the program. Good How up. are you? Hey, thank you, Eric. Thank you for taking my call. Appreciate it. Um, I've listened to your segment on how we should react as Christians, and I wholeheartedly agree with you. To keep our hearts pure, we can't seek revenge. However, there's a couple instances in Acts where Paul asserts his Roman citizenship rights to avoid being literally whipped. Right. And I was just curious how you see this fitting in. Well, it, he was relying on his citizenship rights not to avoid punishment, but to be punished as the law required. Uh, and so I think we've got to keep that in mind. We're, we're, we're still American citizens, and we are entitled to the law. And if the law does not comport, we can go to court and demand that we be treated like other American citizens. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that, particularly as, as states and countries are the instruments of justice, uh, even according to Paul uh, in Romans. Uh, but there's a difference between asserting our rights as a citizen of a nation that we be treated like other citizens of that nation and also uh, retaliation, which – one, uh, no no country allows that level of, of retaliation. And, you know, I mean, the hacker who hacked broke the law, who got the information. The media should not have pursued it because they'll encourage more hacking. Uh, if you then go out and, and you're exposing people's information with the intent to have them harassed, you're also breaking the law. Uh, it's a tit for tat. It's a retaliation. And that doesn't align with what you as someone of faith has to do. You know, it's it's not easy. Can I just say this as, as an aside uh, before we get to other calls? And if you want to call in, feel free to 877-973-7425. And I don't want to turn this whole thing into a theology discussion for a news talk program, but it isn't meant to be easy. And there are a lot of people who want to twist it to make it easier. A lot of people want to, want to twist you as someone by faith, particularly someone who's a Christian, they, they want to twist Scripture to try to comport it to worldliness, and that should be your big red flag that that's a no-no, that you can't do it. It's not meant to be easy. It never was. I mean, my gosh, we're talking about a religion founded by a guy who was absolutely perfect, never broke the law, and yet was executed. It's not supposed to be easy. It's not going to be. And sometimes you could wish, gosh, I really wish this bad thing would happen to this person and maybe I should be the one to, to expose this person. That's that's worldliness. I certainly do think, I mean, 
David himself in the Psalms prayed a lot of times that, uh, God, you say vengeance is yours. When can I see it? I, I think there's nothing wrong with that. Now, to the phones we go. John, you are going to be up next. Welcome to the program. Hi, Eric. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Uh, good. Hey, let me just preface my point with saying I appreciate you uh, throwing some faith-based aspects, you know, and some theology into, into your program from time to time. You don't, you don't get that anywhere else. Well, so I, I really appreciate, appreciate that. that. I, I always wonder, am I aggravating people? And I, I don't know that I am. I mean, it is kind of who I am, so people just uh, have to put up it with probably, it. <laughs> probably depends on where you're coming from. Yeah, I guess so. But, uh, but uh, I had a thought on how we could get the... Uh, president or the president to uh shut down the border there in, in mexico and long texas and uh i think it'd be pretty simple you just convince them that all these immigrants are conservative and they're going to vote republican when they get here <laughs> well you know as a matter of fact i do think for some time uh, a lot of republicans have wanted to close the border because you hear them say the democrats want these legal aliens to come over here and start voting for them they're all democrat with the hispanic shift towards the gop I do start to wonder if you're going to have more and more uh, Democrats. Yeah, we probably need to secure this border. These people are going to come over and become Republican. It's only a matter of time before they do. And, you know, here's the thing that the Democrats miss, and it's even in their own freaking survey that the DCCC is sharing, that Hispanic voters are the ones most furious about the open border. I cannot believe they can't understand that Hispanic voters – don't like the fact that other people can come here when they themselves took the time to become citizens legally and these other people just uh, come across the border. Uh, Y'all, honestly, it's in the data. In fact, it's, it's in the data across the board. Legal American immigrants are the people most furious with the open border and the tolerance of illegal immigration in this country. If you're an American citizen, if you're native born like I am and have not had to become an American citizen, you may not understand just how ridiculously difficult it is to become an American citizen and how the delays and the length of time it takes to become an American citizen. I, I, I know a guy on Instagram. Uh, he, he's a nutritionist, fitness guy. He's marrying an American girl. He is desperate to become an American citizen, and because he's a fitness model per se, he could potentially find a way. He's looking for a sponsor. He needs a a job that that he uniquely is qualified for to become an American citizen so he can stay in the country. Um, they've made it now difficult. You used to be able to marry in to become an American citizen. And now you can't do that anymore, and he's desperate to stay in this country. He's a good dude. If I could put him on my payroll, I would, uh, just so he could uh, have his residency and not have to leave the country every so many months. It, it's it's an amazing burden. And it's people like that who are furious with illegal immigration. They'd make great Americans, and they're following the rules, which is what we want, and they can't get it. And meanwhile, these illegal immigrants are absolutely furious. It's just insanity. And yet here's here we are. Back to the phones we go. Jason, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the program. Hello, sir. Hi there. Um, had a uh, when you're talking about the uh, retaliation and such. The um, as far as going with the capitalist system and you know adaptation. Uh, what about a organization that would act as a stopgap, um, so you could donate to that organization that would be a 501 designation, so you'd get the tax write-off. And then they then send the money on to whomever you tell them to, but there's a stopgap where they don't record to whom they're sending the money to. So you have anonymity at that point 
you can say, yes, you're donating to this conservative fund, but there's no information, but the information isn't recorded to whom you want to send that money to you at know, that uh, point. That's a great Does idea. And as a matter of fact, uh, the Democrats have a group like that, and the Republicans have started one. Uh, Leonard Leo, the Federalist Society, I forget the name of the conservative group. It might be the conservative uh, the conservative action, something or other. But the Democrats have had one for years called the Arabella uh, advisors. And what they do is it's targeted towards rich Democrats who give their money to Arabella advisors and Arabella advisors then donates the money to various causes, some for-profit, some non-profit, uh, so that these Democratic donors, the, these major rich progressives can say, ah, I didn't know I was funding Black Lives Matters. I didn't know I was funding the Socialists of America. I, I just gave it to Arabella advisors. And and there is a, there is a firewall between your donation and where it goes, so you can pretend that you didn't do it. Or uh, a lot of times, what it is is you get you don't want to get played by the grifters, and so the large donors give to these causes, give to these groups. Arabella on the left, and the conservative one on the right, and then uh, those groups vet the organizations to which the money will be given. It's something George Soros has done with his money over time. Instead of giving direct to groups, he gives a lump sum to a a organization that spends his money on groups that he knows he's not going to get taken advantage of. And, and he's had some success with it. In fact, now he's had a whole lot of success in getting members of the media to declare you an anti-Semite if you even raise the specter of George Soros in the amount of money that he's, he's funneling. Uh, out there on the left, and he's funneling a ton of money, including to prosecutors around the country who are sparking the crime wave by their refusal to prosecute people. That's going to blow up in the Democrats' faces as well. Now, there's this from NBC News. There's a growing sense among Democrats that it's time for a change of course at the White House, whether that means new strategy or new staffers. On the political front, President Joe Biden's numbers aren't getting better, his message isn't resonating, and his party's midterm prospects are bleak. On policy, his Build Back Better plan is dead, COVID is alive, and inflation is rising. If he doesn't take a new tax soon, it may be impossible for him to deliver for the public, help his party in November, or move an agenda in the final three years of his term, according to a dozen lawmakers, White House officials, and veteran Democratic Party operatives who spoke to NBC News about their concerns. A sign of a good leader and a successful executive is to identify the policies or personnel choices that have not resulted in success and make necessary course corrections because it's too important not to, says Representative Stephanie Miller or Stephanie Murphy, rather, Democrat of Florida, a co-chair of the centrist Blue Dog Coalition, which has chafed over Biden's efforts to accommodate the progressive wing at the perceived expense of moderates. While only a handful of Democrats have called for heads to roll in the White House, even privately, there is broader agreement within the party that Biden can't keep doing the same things and expect different results. Suggestions range from picking a handful of high-stakes fights with Republicans to elevating cabinet secretaries to altering his inner circle by addition, subtraction, or both. A member of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, speaking on the condition of anonymity to avoid angering the president, said the U.S. exit from Afghanistan and the coronavirus pandemic have led voters to question a key component of Biden's campaign trail sales pitch, that his team would be competent. Replacing top aides, including Ron Klain, the chief of staff, 
would send a signal to the public that Biden understands something has to change, this lawmaker added. Notice it's a member of the Progressive Caucus saying fire Ron Klain, not one of the moderates. It's fascinating dynamic there to watch this. Some of these people willing to go on record, some of them not. I mean, listen listen to this progressive. This is a progressive now. Biden's the star quarterback, and you can't fire the quarterback. So you start looking at the head coach and of the offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator. Fairly or unfairly, in a situation like this, you start looking at the person who is in the chief of staff position. Now, that's a dude. You know it's a dude because it's they're using a football analogy. So who in the caucus would be using, in the Congressional Progressive Caucus, who would be using a football analogy to say Ron Klain needs to go? Who would be doing that? I'm, I would, maybe Jamie Raskin of Maryland. Hmm? David Cicilline of Rhode Island? Uh, that's that's what I'm wondering in the Progressive Caucus. Or would it be Lloyd Dodgett of Texas or Ro Kahana? Uh, but the odds are if it's a man, they're using a football analogy. And the odds are it's it's got to be a dude. It's got to be a dude. Women... Do women really make football analogies like I don't I don't think most women make football analogies like that. So I'm going with a man. And they're agitating from the left to get rid of Ron Klain. And that's a pretty telling sentiment. Now, let me go to the phones here real quick. Uh, Darian, I want to go to you next. Welcome to the program. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing well. Um First off, I just want to say I have a tremendous amount of respect for you. Uh, your show is the highlight of my day. Um, I listen to you every day. Uh, I greatly appreciate that you've not only used scripture, but you you expound on said scripture. Um, my question is this. Um, I heard your comment earlier about the uh, Black Lives Matter movement belling um, the the criminal out that attempted to to kill the cop. How is them bail, posting his bail, how is that not funding domestic terrorism? Well, you know, part of the problem here is that he got bailed to begin with. Uh, and if, if you get bailed... Exactly. Yeah, if you get bailed, then anyone can post your bail for you. Uh, and so they did. Yeah, I would agree with you, it is. And part of that is a judicial issue. Uh, you know, uh, in um, Gary, Indiana, where the guy shot the cop and got out on fourteen thousand dollars bond, uh, they the judges there had a um, agreement with a progressive anti bail group that was paying bail for everyone, uh, and they've ended that alliance. But it sounds like the judges there are pretty progressive, and they're doing this as well. Ultimately, the judges themselves have to be held accountable for doing stuff like this. Or it's going to keep getting worse. I mean, we're having murderers and rapists let out of prison with no bail or with very light bail, and they're making it because groups are stepping up to help them, and then they're going immediately back out on the street causing more crime. At some point, there will be a public – we're seeing the public backlash in schools. We're about to see the citizenry backlash on crime. 
Hi there. Hello. How are you? Uh, Scott Jennings. He's a uh, conservative political analyst, commentator for CNN. Just made a very good point on Twitter. Quintez Brown, the shooter in Louisville, Kentucky, has gone on anti-Semitic tirades about Jews and then decided to shoot badly, bad shot, thank God, uh, shoot the Jewish mayoral candidate in Louisville, Kentucky. Shot him through the clothes. The man was wearing uh, loose jeans, and uh, the bullet pierced the clothing, did not pierce the mayoral candidate, thank goodness. Why hasn't Joe Biden said anything about this hate crime? Joe Biden, Scott Jennings points out, rushed to the microphones to condemn Kyle Rittenhouse for trying to defend businesses in Kenosha, Wisconsin and operating in self-defense. Never apologized either for condemning him when even a jury found that Kyle Rittenhouse operated in self-defense. Why won't Joe Biden say anything here? Y'all, I'm going full circle to the beginning of the program. It is very clear that the American media in this country treats people differently based on the color of their skin, treats crime differently based on the color of the skin of the criminals or the accused. The Democrats do this. It's all part of critical theory. The intersectionalism. White people are presumed to be oppressors. Non-white people are presumed to be oppressed. And if a non-white person commits an act of violence, it is presumed that they are acting out based on their oppression. It's, it is what happens in the world of intersectionality. Uh, and it's what happens in the media now. And it's disturbing that this would happen. It's disturbing that we would see this. I mean, here, this is the article I was talking about earlier. Uh, I believe it is, um, yes, uh, Professor Jennifer Ho, I believe it is wrote this, that anti-Asian violence by non-white people is a product of white supremacy. Uh, Yes, this is it. Anti-Asian racism has the same source as anti-black racism, white supremacy. So when a black person attacks an Asian person, the encounter is fueled perhaps by racism, but very specifically by white supremacy. White supremacy does not require a white person to perpetuate it. It is a belief that to be white is to be human and invested with inalienable universal rights and that to be non-white means you're less than human, a disposable object for others to abuse and misuse. It's not black people whom whom Asian Americans need to fear. It's white supremacy. The violence of the non-white people is reaction to being so oppressed by white people. This is insanity, and it's reflected in how the media covers Crime news, crime waves, and criminals in this country. They cannot even admit that Black Lives Matters has let out of prison an anti-Semitic uh, would-be assassin. It's 2022. Things are still crazy. 
things haven't settled down. And now you got the Federal Reserve and interest rates. You got the economy. You got inflation. A lot of banks won't even return your phone call. Let's say you're a small business and you need a loan for $750,000 or higher. You see an opportunity where banks, they don't even want to see you. You want to buy a building. You want to build a building. Reach out to the Frost family at First Liberty Building and Loan. They've been helping small businesses become big businesses since the 1990s. They want to help you if they can. So spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a good fit for them and they're a good fit for you. Their website is firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. Again, you need a loan, $750,000 or higher. You're a small business and you see an opportunity to grow. Share it with the Frost family and see if they can help you. Firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. First Liberty Building and Loan can help businesses nationwide become bigger businesses.